the areas where we've been relegated to superstar status are entertainment and sports. But in the last 15 years, we've seen this convergence of entertainers and athletes who have cultural competency, who can bridge that gap with technical skills and say what you will about Kanye West or Sean Carter or Nasia Jones. They've all been able to go attract capital around Mm -hmm. ideas that are exclusively executable because of their culture. That's why we've been able to to find success. This is a calling and I love every minute of playing pro sports as a profession, but this is more than a profession. This is an avocation. Pull up in the drive light. I didn't miss my with Lego. Stack my money up like Lego. What's up, world? It's your boy, Ross Mack, and it's another episode of Money Music Culture. And you already know I'm sitting here with my dog, my brother, Brandon Copeland. Brother, how you living, gang? Uh, living the dream, bro. Of course you is. You in the NFL. That is the dream. <laughs> but enough with that, man, because we got another brother who is literally living his dream. He might have been living long enough for two lifetimes because he's living two dreams. <laughs> we got none other than my dog, Malcolm Johnson, former NFL player, went to Notre Dame, but now he literally has an investment firm, man. The founder of Langdon Park Capital, where he just raised $70 million and he's currently raising half a billion. Hey, that's different. Money. That's a different level of cloth talk there. I'm about to learn something. I already know that. Without further ado, I look forward to talking to you, Malcolm. Let's go on here and get right into it. First and foremost, before we dive into our amazing guest today, Ross. How are you doing, my brother? Bro, we live from Newport Beach. It's, Ooh, it's decent. Got the good. What color is this? I ain't gonna hold you. This might be uh, ocean blue. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, the boy. had to check her out. It's a good day. That man is culture. That's what I love to hear, man. But we're we gonna get right to it, man. Mr. Malcolm Johnson. First and foremost, I appreciate you taking the time to be here, man. I appreciate you. Just so you all know, TV magic, right? We're sitting here right now, but we just got to hear this man speak. Just got to hear about his mission, his drive, his passion. And so, one, I'm amazed at what you're doing and your background, right? And and how you've built what you're building, and, and you'll share that with the audience. But um, two, I'm also appreciative uh, when fellow athletes are doing amazing things in the world, and they also are still in touch with, you, you said it, and I'm probably going to steal it in the future, but I, I'm going to go ahead and give you credit right now. You're also culturally competent is the the phrase that you use, right? Mm. And so before we dive into a bunch of different things, I just want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and introduce um, your background and how you got here today. All right, well, well, first of all, so you got me feeling overdressed and square. My man got on the, the Welcome to Miami top. You got on, you got on the fresh tee. Um, so, so I appreciate you making me feel really old, oh, brothers. Right. But you got presidential look. You look like you, look like you just president. closed a round, <laughs> funded yeah, round. You right. look good, yeah, man. This is how you got to look when you're talking to, when you're talking to money. But um, I will say this too, since we're on the Money Music Culture podcast. Let's also introduce me as Washington, D.C. native, go mm. aficionado, Ooh. Malcolm Johnson. I don't know Listen. how many people up here really have come to talk about Rare Essence or Junkyard Band or Backyard Band. But when we get to that portion of, of the show, we can talk about why go-go music is the, the, the only cultural element of our culture that has not been co-opted. Okay. I'm about to say. The only. Hip-hop has been co-opted. Okay. The way we dress has been co-opted. Say no more. Our hairstyles have been co-opted. Go go is still ours. Yeah. So that's why Washington D.C. natives love it, and um, that's a fact. It's yeah. in the water. 
Because, you know, Baltimore and D.C., we got a little tension at times. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the cousin that you root for in the world, but, like, when you at the house, you playing on the sticks, it's like, man, give me my stuff back, man. You jocking everything I do. So, you know, we got that Baltimore club music, but you are 100% right. It's all love. Coco has not been touched. It's all love. That's a Chicago native. I'm like, wait a minute. We got Chicago house music? (laughs) That didn't been touched, stepped on. It had been all type of stuff. It's definitely watered down. It's no longer blue magic. But right. you know what? We we can we can acknowledge one. It's all emanating from the same place. So just um, the reason I'm looking presidential and thank you for saying that, brother, is because we're here at, at Game Time 2022. Mm-hmm. Josh Childress and his team at Landspire have hosted us to talk about um, intersection of pro sports, business, community, capital, and how we are empowered at this point in time to go do all of those things. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be marginalized. Uh, I'm CEO of Langdon Park Capital, which is a real estate private equity firm that invests primarily in workforce housing mm-hmm. in places like South Central LA, Washington, D.C., where I'm from, East Bay, up in Northern California. And we do all of that through the lens of how can we create positive outcomes for the black and Latino families who live mm-hmm. in our communities. Mm-hmm. So simple investment thesis, um, it's very clear to someone who is, as you said, culturally competent, why there's tremendous value in these neighborhoods. It's very clear why managers who look like us should own and operate these properties. And probably most importantly, it's very clear to the residents of our properties why we are best suited to provide real value and create opportunities in their lives. So that's the business, but it all started from, and, and you know, I said that in jest at the beginning, it all started from um, a, an upbringing in a very consciously black household in mm-hmm. Northeast D.C. I was fortunate um, to be raised by, by two parents who were well-educated. I know you brothers are Penn grads. My parents are both Penn alums mm. as well. Wow. My mom is a pediatrician. My mom, after graduating from the University of Pennsylvania, mm. went to Columbia Medical School. She made a conscious decision in the late 70s that she wanted to treat black babies. And so she did a residency <laughs> in West Baltimore, which is why my family... Um, was raised in Washington, D.C. And so that's the, that's the, the foundation for what, for what we're doing now. And, you know, I, I almost say I'm very proud of the career I had as an athlete. I'm very proud of, of having spent time at the University of Notre Dame and, and playing for some of the best coaches in college football history, playing in the National Football League. But that was a pit stop. Mm. That was a pit stop to what I'm doing now. And the real mission is how can we uplift and empower people who look like us and, and the real gap has always just been access. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. gap in intelligence. There's no gap in work ethic. It's just who has access and who doesn't. So mm-hmm. it's a blessing. Um, we will get to talking about music mm-hmm. and, and all that, but the culture is, is, is really the important part. All right, I'm sorry for interrupting, but look, I need you to follow and subscribe and share this with everybody so we can keep this whole money music culture thing going. Yeah, uh, I want to touch on a, a few things really quickly. It's, uh, you talk about, one, the reason why we're here, Josh Childress, shout out to you, uh, shout out to the entire team, right, but bringing and bridging the gap between investing and sports during your time and during your NFL career, was anything like this going on, right? Like, what were the conversations in the locker room like, and, and how did you bridge that gap? You just said it was a pit stop, but at the time, did you realize it was a pit stop, mm. or was it the dream? Because what I find is that a lot of us as athletes, we've envisioned this life, right? We've envisioned being in the league and playing with our kids and all those things, but we haven't really envisioned anything after, mm, you know? God. So 
I'm curious to know, was, did it seem like a pit stop then, and then did forums like this exist? So that's a great question. And, and Brandon, what it felt like at the time was the realization of a, of a dream. Like mm. that, that, to me, was my biggest shortcoming and probably is, is still true for athletes even today, thinking the final destination is something that's going to occur between age 21 and 29, 30, if you're lucky. Mm. And so what I know now is that that was just a, a springboard, um, and no, these sorts of platforms did not exist. I will, I will always give a big shout out to my big brother and OG, Jerome Bettis. Mm -hmm. So Jerome and I, um, yeah, Detroit's finest. Mm -hmm. Jerome and I were, were teammates in Pittsburgh and the Rooney's did something, the Rooney family who, who's owned the Steelers for the last 50 years, did something that um, I'll forever be grateful for. I knew Jerome a little bit before I got to Pittsburgh. That's mm -hmm. why I spent my rookie year um, and, and part of my second year, but not really well. You know, I just knew him as, as the bus but the Roonies, um, they must have seen something in me because they placed my locker next to Jerome's. Mm. And so, as you know, from being a locker room, that's where you get a lot of the game. From an OG, at the time, he was the highest paid player on the team. He was a, a three or four time pro bowler at that point on his mm. way to a Hall of Fame career. But I'm soaking up all the game from him after practices. I'm watching how he conducts himself with the media. And one of the best pieces of advice he gave me, just around finance, and again, this is baby, this is baby food at the time. Mm -hmm. But he said, um, so, so one thing, I know we all tighten his locker room, but you got to make sure you stand in your lane. You can't do what you see all the vets doing. Mm -hmm. And Jerome, great business person. Yeah. Owned two restaurants, several properties in Pittsburgh and his native Detroit. But Jerome drove a Ferrari. Mm -hmm. He had an SL500. Mm -hmm. He had a personal assistant. Yeah. And Jerome was my guy. But I had to drive a Ford Expedition <laughs> with, with baby rims on it, and I had to stay in my lane. And, and that was good advice, you know, to make sure you are focused on your level at the time. But then the other piece of very real financial advice, and it got me thinking about one of the most, most basic parts of owning a business, just budgeting and cash flow. You're only going to get 17 checks this year. Mm. And so Less. you got to budget your entire 12 months based on 17 checks mm. that might feel really big when you get that week run check. Mm. And, and he actually went around, and I appreciated him for this. He pointed out guys in the locker room who the last offseason were going back to team management and getting an advance oh, on next year's salary. Mm -hmm. And so that was my scared straight moment. That, mm -hmm. was, that was a fifth-round pick saying, okay, I just got an $86,000 signing bonus, $53,000 after taxes, mm. I'm only getting 17 checks. I do not want to be back home living with my parents. Let me make sure I got my cash flow right for the next, the next 12 months. And, and those sorts of mentors and OGs, that's what we had access to. What you guys, what you guys have built with this platform, what you're spreading, has taken it to the next level. Mm. And, and I know your peers and your counterparts are going to have every opportunity to do all of these things and more because of the knowledge that you're giving them. Appreciate you. Hey, shout out to the bus because that's sure. a crazy game. Yes. <laughs> and I would, could only imagine, right, when you look at some of the statistics of athletes, it's not a lot of buses that was given that type of game. Or more importantly, it wasn't a lot of people that was receptive and received the game. Because, like, when you heard that, like, what changed in your life in terms of, like, was it spending habits? Or did you say, you know what, let me put this amount of money aside? Or, like, how did you kind of stake and find? Because, like you say, People driving Ferraris, people everybody got on a, a different type of watch. Big, big going out, big parties. Like how how did you stay disciplined in that in that realm? So I, I was that's a great question, Ross. But I, I was I was smart enough to do one thing that was was probably stated even better by the late great 
Nipsey Hussle when he said, um, you know, I study rich brothers like my homework. Mm-hmm. So that was me just studying, and I was smart enough to sit back and look at a guy like Jerome Bettis, a guy named Mark Bruner, mm-hmm. who I said, these are veterans in the league, so they figured out how to navigate the National Football League. They have their finances in order, and they're living at their means, not above mm-hmm. their means, they live right. at their means. They own um, businesses outside of just getting a, a weekly paycheck during the season. Yeah. So that was it. I was just studying. Yeah. I was studying, and... and you know, most astute business people will tell you they had a mentor, they had mm-hmm. a guide. Um, so in every way, that was that was the answer. I said, mm-hmm. let me study, let me sit back and observe. And if he's if he's giving out free game, I'm definitely gonna pick it up. Yeah. And what's crazy is statistics in America, right? Like two thirds of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. About seventy percent don't have a thousand dollars saved. So like, when you hear from an athlete, like, man, I'm gonna try to live within my means. Now, obviously, means of a professional athlete. It's a lot higher than the average human, right? Uh, 90 plus percent uh, in terms of being a percentile, right? Top five percentile for sure. But like, what what would you say could help change the other, you know, two thirds of Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck? Where do you think they need to start in order to be within their means? So, so first and foremost, I have to start with education. Mm-hmm. And, and education is not just, well, I'm going to take what, the person that's trying to sell me something told me. Like, mm-hmm. I got I to gotta take the whole picture into context. Who is giving me this advice? Am I, am I being focused on making sure I have a 700 credit score? Yes, that's important. Mm-hmm. 700 plus credit score is critically important. But is it, is it only so I can go qualify for a credit card that mm-hmm. then <laughs> keeps me in this cycle of debt? Exactly. Like that's the, where are you getting educated? What are you learning about? Not just saving, not just budgeting, but investing. Mm. That third piece is absolutely critical. How am I? Inflation will eat up every amount of savings that you ever have if all you do is put your money in a bank. Or worse, (laughs) put it in a shoebox underneath our bed. And I'm 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 speaking Mm -hmm. from a culturally competent standpoint when I say put money in a shoebox under your bed. So you have to have education that provides you with the tools to then go live your financially free best life. Mm -hmm. Period. So it has to start with education, but education just like learning about our experience in this country, our experience throughout civilization. It can't just come from your oppressor. It can't just come from the person who wants to keep you in this in space. Cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got you to, gotta, in a lot of ways, do your own homework and make sure you get an education from the right sources. Yeah. So it's funny, just to highlight, one of the challenges of the pro athlete, right, is like you have to take this money, you have to budget it out, Right now, they've extended our game checks so that now, instead of getting paid in 18 games or 18 weeks, now we get paid in 36 weeks, right? But you need to take this money, you need to extend it out for the year, but also, this is, for most of us, the most money you'll be making for the rest of your life, right? And so for me, one of the things I try to always keep in mind when I got a player performance bonus at the end of the year or I got that big, large game check in my second contract and stuff like that is like, there's people who work a whole year to try to get this one check, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I need to be budgeting, not only for this year, but I also need to be putting this away for that home I want to buy three years from now or where I want to be four years from now. And how do you, um, you got to start thinking differently about your money and your budget as an athlete because it is not promised that you'll leave the league and transition and ever, mm-hmm. ever make that type of money. <laughs> now, there's platforms and there's education to get folks 
closer to that realm and mm -hmm. closer to that re reality, right? Um, and there's a lot of guys now who are doing it, making more off the off the field than on it. But I think that's one of the challenges from a, a budgeting standpoint for athletes is because we think about the year, but it's like, well, you, you got to think about five years from now too, you know? Mm -hmm. um, fast forwarding a little bit, right, to where you are today, right, and your mission today, right? Langdon Park Capital. Why is this the mission, right? Because a lot of people as athletes, and I'll let you dive into your mission, but like, it, it, a lot of us as athletes, I feel like, you know, you go into the locker room and most of us are talking about real estate because that's what we've been told. Um, we we want to own restaurants, but no one necessarily breaks it down to us in terms of like, we, we just think of the things that we've been shown our entire lives as cool, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you at this stage are developing real community as opposed to when quite honestly it might be more profitable mm. right to push the people who look like you out so how did this become the mission for you and how has it become hey this is my lane and i don't care what you tell me about it i'm going to make sure that my people can stay within their community so, you know, that, there's a lot to unpack in that question, but you framed it the right way um, when, you, when you called it a mission. Mm -hmm. and, and the approach to founding this company was the same as the approach as I transitioned from pro sports into business, period. Mm -hmm. And it was, one, what do I have a technical skill set in? Mm -hmm. And if, if I don't have a technical skill set, how can I go attain that technical skill set? Um, what am I passionate about? And then what type of life do I want to live? And, and all three of those things have, have become crystallized in Langdon Park Capital. But um, I'm, I'm honored because every day I get to walk into a company that's literally named after the flower bed that raised me. Langdon Park Recreation Center mm -hmm. is the hub for everything that built me and my brothers in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. I learned to swim at that park. It's connected to a public library. That was my after-school haven. I learned to play basketball at that park. I'm thinking of all of the dozens and dozens of powerful, mostly male, black mentors, coaches, volunteers who poured into me and all of my neighbors. Um, Langdon Park Capital sat, Langdon Park Rec Center sat between my house, which was a beautiful single family home, and five blocks away was public housing. Mm. So that was the definition of mixed income. But whether you lived in Montana Terrace, which is a public housing, or you lived at 20th and Jackson Street, which is where my house was, at Langdon Park Capital, you had every opportunity to go be successful mm -hmm. because you still were poured into at Langdon Park Rec Center. And that's what we think about Langdon Park Capital. Like we're, we're looking at communities like Baldwin Village mm -hmm. in South L.A. or Prince George's County, Maryland, PG. which is, which is um, one of the last bastions of, of black culture mm -hmm. in the district, Maryland, Virginia region. And we think of opportunity. And that's the mission. But I did have to get a technical skill set. So I spent... Um, almost 17 years working working for large financial services companies. Um, prior to joining, founding this company, I was at J.P. Morgan as head of the debt group on the West Coast, and that was the best learning experience. It was the best opportunity to understand the power of access to capital. Mm -hmm. There's not a better run financial services company in the world than that one, and they built the Fortress balance sheet, and they bank the top quartile of clients in every segment. And so we're following that blueprint, just mm. like I said earlier, st study rich, blank, like, like my homework. Mm -hmm. uh, we're following that blueprint, but it is a mission. 
it is a mission. We're hyper-focused on creating opportunities for the families who live in our communities, not just extracting value, which yeah. is which mm-hmm. is where a less culturally competent, a less engaged, a less conscious owner might focus. To break it down to the audience, he runs a fund, right? In other words, he's putting other people's capital to work. And so when you're out, you know, raising... Um, capital, so to speak, right? And being culturally competent, do you actually see um, a little difference, right? A a discrepancy in the sense of investors, VCs, you know, they, they want the highest returns or, you know, just granted where we are in the times, are they a little more conscious of saying, you know what, we do want to make a positive social impact. Exactly. So, like, what? How exactly are you thinking about that, or, or better yet, what's what's it like from a, from you know the people that are sitting across the, the table from you? Yeah. So you you asked the right question. So absolutely, capital and and a capitalist society is very efficient. Mm-hmm. So they will they will ultimately seek the highest return. What we've what we've done a really good job of is framing that discussion a little differently and describing returns not just in financial context. Mm. We talk about the impact as being a quantifiable part of your return. And then, look, I I will say this. It's always better to have great timing and some amount of luck than it is to be super smart. Mm. What what Langdon Park Capital is doing was a good business idea a decade ago. It was a good business idea 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. What 2020 brought for a lot of investors was its clarity that we can't just go build a bigger moat. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So, so my firm is based in Los Angeles. We have offices in Washington, D.C. But one of the things that was not all that surprising to me, but may have been surprising to um, folks who did not spend a lot of time off the Crenshaw exit on the 10 freeway, was that this unrest found its way to Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, found, you found high-end boutiques that for months during the pandemic had their windows boarded up. Mm-hmm. They had extra security on 24 hours, um, 24 hour patrol. Why? Because the have-nots felt so disenfranchised mm-hmm. that they, they said, there's no part of the system that I can participate in, so I don't want any more of this system. Right. And I think a lot of investors have said, we have to create solutions. We have to think about, if you don't have adequate housing, if you got bars on your windows that feel like you're living in a correctional facility, mm. what does that mean as you enter the workforce? Yeah. What does that mean as you're trying to go to school? Like, none of it works without having an entire society that feels like they can be part of it. So that's what investors have, have to, to a lot of their credit. They've said we need to find ways to get, yes, financial returns are important, but it can't just be about the financial return mm. because access to capital has been something we've had forever. Mm-hmm. But has this part of the spectrum had access to opportunity? That's what we're providing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, proud of, I'm proud of the fact that we've been able to attract capital um, that is mission aligned so far. And that's every time I pitch to an investor, I talk about let's reframe the conversation. It can't just be about making an extra 200 basis points exactly. financially. It has to be about what did this do for the greater good. And, um, and that message is resonating. Can you talk about raising capital and if you don't mind sharing what you raised thus far where you're going and how for the audience members at home because obviously there's a kid at home who's like me and you know what I always tell people growing up for me it was like oh if I want to own this property this building it was like all right well I got to make all this money so that I can buy it out myself and you Mm -hmm. look at this team oh I want to own the team and you don't realize that there are multiple owners within the structure, right? Yeah. You think that I gotta do it all on my own and you don't understand the the concept of 
collaboration, joint venture agreement, joint ownership. Also, one of the craziest pieces of advice my rookie year I got from one of the Winklevoss twins, uh, Tyler Winklevoss. I was trying to raise money. I was trying to fund my own app. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Rule number one, <laughs> never, ever, ever use your own money in your idea. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I, ain't, I don't have no friends and family that can you know, drop a check in this thing, right? Friends and family around, I am. Man. Right. <laughs> this, is, this is me, right? Yeah. So when you, can you talk about the lens for the young person at home of like, what does it mean to raise capital? What are you act, actually doing with that capital? And then how you return um, money to your investors over time, right? That idea of collaboration, I know that's a mouthful, but that idea of collaboration, because I think for us in the culture, it's not something that we see too often. It's not something we think about. You got to think about it. And this is, again, the distribution of labor works this way. The distribution of capital works this way. There are, there are far less um, great ideas than there is capital. And there's even fewer great ideas that are executable than there is capital. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a great idea and you've got the ability to go execute on that great idea and make it a real business, then capital will naturally flow towards whatever that business venture is. Mm. And so, you know, I, I was very intentional about the space where not just had a great idea, but we could execute. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to build a real team that could execute. And then Capital says, well, no one is going to know these sorts of communities better than you and your team. Mm. No one's going to be able to operate these apartment communities better than you and your team. You've got decades and decades of experience in real estate finance at the best institutions. So do your team members. You got this background as an athlete, but you can bridge the competitiveness, the, the, the teamwork, the accountability with the real real estate technical skill set. That's where capital gets comfortable. That's mm -hmm. where capital gets comfortable. I, I will also say this, though, and we've seen it in a number of different industries, entertainment being, being probably one of the biggest, because for us in, in our very relatively brief history in North America, the areas where we've been relegated to superstar status are, are mm -hmm. entertainment yep. and sports. But in the last 15 years, we've seen, we've seen this convergence of entertainers and athletes who have cultural competency, mm -hmm. who can bridge that gap with technical skills and say what you will about Kanye West or Sean Carter or Nasia Jones, my, my, my personal favorite hip hop artist of all time. Mm -hmm. They've all been able to go attract capital around mm -hmm. ideas that are exclusively executable because yeah. of their culture. Like, that's, that's why we've been able to, to find success. Um, and it just so happens, just like those folks I mentioned, our team is extremely passionate about what we're investing in. I, I skip to my office every day. Mm -hmm. Like, it's an honor for me to walk into a building awesome. that has Langdon Park written on the, on the, on the back. Like, this is... Um, this is a calling, and I love every minute of, of playing pro sports as mm -hmm. a profession. But this is mm -hmm. this is more than this is more than a profession. This is an avocation. And so I'm gonna go with something you just bought in. You know, we we talk money, music, and I'm gonna highlight the music because you just said Nas is your favorite artist. Um, he's solid. I rock with him. You know, but uh, <laughs> when we talk about <laughs> athletes, yeah, he yeah, right. no, no, he hard, yeah, yeah, yeah. he hard, he hard. <laughs> Nas, you hard. Um, you know, but when we talk about um, and pause on that. But when we talk about, um, you know, athletes and entertainers, right? Back in the day, all they were were on some shut up and dribble. Mm. All they were were grab the mic and entertain. But now, 
it is a different world where athletes have a place and entertainers have a place outside of the stage and outside of, you know, the field because now they're handling business, right? And so we got, you know, Nas with Queensbridge Capital, mm-hmm. he invested in Coinbase, you got, we, we starting to see that, whether it was Dr. Dre, who do you think from an artist standpoint has the greatest business acumen? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. And, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I just read this this week. And yes, shout out to the guy Nasir, who, um, and I don't think it's any coincidence, by the way, that as he's become more free, mm. right, he's, he's, the, the deal with Columbia is in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. He's been on Mass Appeal and, and collaborating with Jay-Z. Once his, his arch nemesis, they squashed that years ago as Nas crushed him with Ether. But musical output is better. King's Disease and King's Disease 2 mm-hmm. are, are among the best in his catalog. And there's probably something to him now being in a different space mentally mm-hmm. because he feels free. Um, but the, So the, I just want to say, you want to go on record that Queen's Disease is better than like Illmatic and all that? No, no, no. No, nah. it's you know what I meant, but I, I just want to go. I, I just want to go on record, like because nah, you were saying it's the best. Illmatic is 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 classic material. Okay, and I, I, let's also I, I, let's I, also I, remember this. This is a man who has uh, eighth grade education. Mm-hmm. Illmatic dropped when he was nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. Most of it was written when he was seventeen or eighteen, mm-hmm. and that's going to be studied in the Smithsonian. So no, there's not too many hip hop artists. I just my wife and I just got a chance to go see Nas perform at, at Disney Concert Hall in LA and, and he was every bit as as on point performing an album as, as he would have been in nineteen ninety four. So that's no discussion. That's, okay, yeah. That, that sounded no, like it came no discussion, from you. no discourse. <laughs> but it's Illmatic and then and then probably K D two, then K D one. That's that's mm. and, and Stillmatic is a close fourth. But the anecdote, to answer your question about who's the the artist that has been able to do it best, and I don't know if this is 100% true, so all the MJ fans out there, don't fight me, don't at me if it's not, but I just read that Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney were once close friends, Mm -hmm. and then at some point there was a rift in their friendship because Michael Jackson bid on the Beatles catalog Mm -hmm. and outbid Paul McCartney. And after he purchased the Beatles catalog, Michael Jackson then looks through everything that's in there and finds that Little Richard's catalog and his masters mm-hmm. are there. And then Michael gifted Little Richard his masters and, and literally put millions of dollars back in the Little Richard's pocket. Now, if that's true, that's, that's the ultimate That's the ultimate shout-out, rest in peace to MJ. So, Go. you know, those are the types of stories that we need to be shouting from the mountaintops. And I think, you know, as as... We've learned it's become part of the culture. Yeah, you know it's become part of the culture. My first, my first rap, whatever, um, was the Fat Boys and the LL Cool J and mm-hmm. then Run DMC. But then there was Nas and then there was Jay Z who was yeah. talking about real business. That's the culture now. Yeah, like for a while it was just how how good an MC are you? And then Jay took it to, I'm not just talking about being an MC. From his very first album, he was talking about being a business person and uplifting. His community pivoting, and that's that's the what we we've internalized that now, yeah, yeah. and so that's that means more opportunities for us to have success, mm-hmm. and and I'm proud of that. I'm mm-hmm. proud of that. That's a beautiful thing to witness. Mm-hmm. Final question for you, and we're definitely gonna have to have a part two, part three, part yeah, seven. <laughs> but yeah, so Ross has highlighted the fact that you know one time he was 
in Chicago talking to a group of high school kids and you know he's talking to them about financial education financial literacy budgeting saving up investing all those types of things and I, the young man said all right listen like I, I get what all you're saying and that's nice that's cool but if I want to invest my money right now if I want to park money somewhere like what do I need to do today or where should I invest my money today to actually make some money that young high school kid is watching right now and asking you that same question, what are your thoughts there? That's a great question. That's a great question. I would say access to the markets has been democratized. And at one point, not that long ago, you know, it was pretty. It was a pretty hefty barrier to entrance if you just wanted to invest in the stock market. Mm. You know, brokerage fees made that cost prohibitive for all but the top one percent. That's no longer the case. You can you can do free trades on on any number of platforms from Robinhood to E Trade. I would say first and foremost. Educate yourself. Mm. Educate yourself about the markets, and you can become a shareholder in a real estate investment management firm that's publicly traded right on the NYSE by just buying a share. Like mm. educate, But educate yourself first. Understand, where am I shopping? Am I at a Brookfield shopping center? Am I at a Westfield shopping center? And by the way, Westfield is, uh, is selling all of the shopping centers around the country, so might not be the best buy right now but that's number one educate yourself about the market buy into the stock market and watch what happens with that real estate portfolio Mm. like that's beyond beyond the the financial gains that that you may or may not realize from that investment you're going to get an education on how companies make money what Mm. cycles do to real estate firms and then as you start to build and amass wealth you can figure out does it make sense for me to go in with two partners and try to buy a part of a duplex. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense for me to buy an Airbnb that I rent out for 10 months of the year, but I live there for two months while I'm working remotely? Starting with the stock market, you get to watch in real time what real estate companies are doing to make money. That's mm-hmm. the, the biggest piece of advice I would give. Educate yourself on where you're going to invest. Do it. Watch what happens with that investment. Mm-hmm. Now you got a little bit of knowledge. Take what, ama- what wealth you amass and figure out how to go be way more hands-on and purchase your first property. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I got one quick question All right, before for we sure. wrap. Dog. It better not be about house music. Nah, man. Because <laughs> I, I don't nah, know much about house nah, music. But. Nah, You are an expert in your field. And obviously we're in the midst of people are believing we're going to go into a recession at some point. Right? Um, we got war in Russia, Ukraine, 40-year high inflation, in the midst of a crypto bear market. What's your view? Some people believe we may be in the midst of a housing bubble. Some believe, oh no, housing is super safe. What's your view? Do you have a view? Let me know. Absolutely. Definitely definitely have a view, and I can say this, but without, without having a crystal ball on my desk or anywhere in my possession, so I can't predict the future. I can't, I can't say with any degree of certainty what's going to happen with rates. They probably will go up before they go down. But I can tell you this. In the history of, of American capitalism, these types of periods of distress and volatility and uncertainty, opportunity is created for massive wealth building. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a strong believer in the product type that Langdon Park Capital invests in. This is essential housing in high growth areas, access to freeways, big demand drivers for jobs, mm-hmm. access to airports and public transportation. If you looked at an aerial map of South LA, you would not be able to tell that Englewood was not as valuable as Culver City. Now, mm-hmm. you, you zoom in, and you got totally poor-performing schools. You got social challenges with crime. But the housing demand and the proximity to all those amenities is the same in Englewood as it is in Culver City. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is investing in communities like Englewood. And 
there's always going to be demand for housing in those places for people who unfortunately do not earn enough to, to, to be able to afford a single-family home in these high-cost markets, and they earn too much to qualify for any public subsidies, and so they're renters by necessity. We own and operate with respect and dignity for the community, those types of housing products. Whatever the future holds, short-term, long-term, there's going to be tremendous investor appetite for that product type. We're well-positioned to take advantage of that opportunity, is how I will define it, as opportunity. In honor, though, of your boy Nas, we got. I had to pull up this lyric while we talking about <laughs> real estate. We talking money. So Nas album done. <clears throat> he says, "I'm assisting to push the culture forward to all my ghost supporters. Go support us like a local black-owned grocery store. Cause in the hood, shit ain't passed down through blood. It's a dub on that. We get government aid, spend it at day stores, putting their kids through college. We need balance." So we can lease and own deeds in our projects. So I'm asking G's to go in their pockets. The racial economic inequality, let's try to solve it, right? Sound a lot better when I say it. You know, I tried to read it, break it down, make sure you got it, right? <laughs> but ultimately, you are doing just that. And like he said, that's a major key. Mm -hmm. That was the mm -hmm. next bar, and so that was a, yeah. that's a major key. Major key. So we appreciate you. My brother, not thank you. Wait to continue to watch your journey, man. Absolutely, brothers. Oh. Keep it up, man. This is um, this is beautiful to see. This needs to be out here in the world. So I appreciate you both both giving the real to the to the audience, and thank you very much. Appreciate man, you. Pleasure, love. It's a wrap. Much love, respect. <laughs>